Attention friends, are you ready to embark on a journey into the unknown this Mother's Day? Prepare to dive into the depths of your family's history with mylifeinabook.com. Each week, mylifeinabook.com sends intriguing questions, uncovering the thrilling tales of your mom's past, and then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. From daring escapes to nail-biting encounters, her life becomes an epic adventure waiting to be explored. This Mother's Day, give the gift of excitement and intrigue with mylifeinabook.com. It's a thrilling ride through your mom's life that you won't want to miss. I gave this to my mom last year, and let's just say I didn't know my mom as well as I thought I did. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE for 10% off today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Language and content in this episode may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Some voices may come from voice actors, but the words are accurate to the interview described. That's what they call them. The kind of prostitutes who work truck stops and trailer parks. These are not the high-end rent girls of Abu Dubai. These are blue-collar, minimum-wage hustlers, closer to the Hollywood stereotype of the Rust Belt hooker. You know the one. She has a heart of gold and a drug problem. High heels, a leopard print skirt, and probably some red lipstick and a C-section scar. The term lot lizard was coined by a comedian in the 1970s and took off from there. Even if you take offense at the sneering attitude of this label, you have to admit it has a kind of ring to it. It might make you think of leathery old women prowling parking lots past their sexual prime and willing to do anything for a buck. More fundamentally, It evokes the image of a slimy predator lurking in the sunlight and looking to draw unsuspecting flies into its mouth. But these women, and sometimes men, are less predator than prey. You know those rows of semi-trucks behind gas stations? Usually in low-lit parking lots about 50 yards from the pumps where you get your gas? Those are the unofficial roadside motels of the trucking world. 
The cabs of some of these trucks are basically forerunners of the tiny house movement. They have Murphy beds and sound systems, microwaves, fridges, TVs, pretty much everything but a bathroom. And if you really want one, you can also have a bathroom installed. Those trucks look empty from the outside, but on the inside they are full of life, or something like it. They're inhabited by tired, lonely men, far from home, often in marriages strained by the demands of their occupation. And because of this, mere feet away from police officers pumping gas, and children with slushies, and stale nachos with gross orange gas station cheese and all the colourful overpriced smorgasbord of roadside convenience shops, another hidden economy looms. The most misleading part of the lot lizard misnomer is that lizards are often stationary. The mythical lizards of America's interstates are always moving. They are hustlers with a capital H. They go door to door, CB to CB, And for those truckers uninterested in their bodies and the drugs they often carry from local dealers, they can be difficult to escape. For these truckers, a more accurate image than that of the lizard is the calling siren of Greek mythology who lured sea-weary sailors into drowning and shipwreck in Homer's Odyssey. Odysseus commands his crew to plug their ears with beeswax and tie him to the mast because their song was irresistible. These seductive creatures are half bird, half women, and they woo with flattery and their promise of comfort and understanding. Quote, Come closer, famous Odysseus, Achaea's pride and glory. Moor your ship on our coast so you can hear our song. Never has any sailor passed our shores in his blacked craft until he has heard the honeyed voices pouring from our lips. And we all know the pain that you have endured. And all that comes to pass on this fertile earth, we know it all. On the highways of America, the siren song sounds a little more like this. Have some free coffee, free iced tea, free home-cooked meal, free shower. Have a chitter-chatter with a beautiful lady. You don't have to go looking for sex on the interstate. It comes to you. It shows up on your CB, and it shows up at your door in the night while you're pulled in to sleep. But a fair amount of recruiting happens over the radio. If you're unfamiliar with this scene, think of your typical radio ad, except it's speaking directly to you. You're not hearing a regional campaign designed for the masses. This is for you. And these pitches are straight to the point. I'm asking for any kind of donation, so like I said, I'm willing to work for my money. I'm trying to get a hotel room over here at this Quality Inn or down there at the Microtel. No, darling, I don't. I got so loose brown hair, blue eyes, 44 double D's, and I'm a thick girl. Ain't no little skinny girl where you gonna be able to poke it and see where it goes, honey. As my mom and daddy says, I got more cushion for the cushion, but I ain't no fat girl either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, honey. Let me get off this arm forever. What was that, darling? So I'm stuck on this arm forever. That sounds pretty good, though. Okay, darling, just let me know what they call you. In the 2016 documentary, 
on truck stop prostitutes, which is actually just called Lot Lizard, one trucker described the routine. A female lady in a driver's truck somewhere talking to other drivers. She's just... She's just asking if anybody out there wants to have sex with her without verbally saying, will somebody have sex with me? I need somebody to bend me over. Arch my back, tilt my Yeah, see, that's... If I throw your arm on the back and slap me on the back, I'm going to They'll talk dirty, filthy dirty to each other or they'll work out a deal. She'll go to his truck and she will actually, okay, you want this, this is how much it's going to be. And if you want that, this is how much it's going to be. And the driver will agree or disagree. And if he agrees, he, he'll turn his CB off and he'll pull his cab curtain or his sleeper curtain and they'll just like if they were married. But they're not married, and these women, big shocker, tend not to be. They do often have boyfriends, but marriage usually requires getting out of the business for good. And that's way harder than you might expect. On the lot, they make $300 or so-so a night. And it's hard to leave that kind of money behind for a minimum wage job that takes a 40-hour week to hit that number. Truly coming clear is almost impossible without a devoted life partner who is willing to share the financial and emotional burden. As a stereotype, these women are kind of pretty, but not pretty enough. Kind of charming, but not charming enough for more conventional affection. They're kind of desirable, but not desirable enough to hang on to or desirable enough to love. You use them for an hour at a time or for a few minutes, depending on your budget and your stamina, and cut them loose to work the other side of the parking lot. You laugh with them and sometimes you tell them your secrets, but you'll never take them home to your parents or your friends. For some of us, these are real, transactional partners in our insatiable desire. For the rest of us, they're a kind of phantomasgoric layer of subhumans on the fringes of society that we judge from afar. We want them and we hate them at the same time. Their job title has become a byword for despicable, repulsive people. When we want to humiliate any woman, we call them a whore. Even within the world of underground prostitution, truck stop workers have a reputation all of their own. And to be fair, many truckers are not interested in what they offer. And for these truckers, these workers can be, frankly, rather exhausting with their aggressive salesmanship and relentless entrepreneurial spirit. For those drivers who are interested in what they offer, they're an invaluable part of life on the road. They provide a sense of connection and relief for their hungry libidos, at least for a little while, and provide enough of a distraction for them to forget they're in Wichita tonight, or Jacksonville, or whatever godforsaken place they'd rather not be. I'm a fortunate individual because I have a wife and two boys, and then I'm an unfortunate individual in that I gotta drive off and leave. Your heart just goes out to your family because you can't be there just to touch them. Uh, Hold hands with them, give them a hug. Uh, That kind of support that just people need. With the loneliness and the availability of uh, the lot lizards. For some people, that's an answer, I suppose. Uh, I see them everywhere I go. From a distance, 
and even on the inside, the truck stop sex scene can almost feel like a functional economy of sex, drugs, and desire, with people on both sides offering what they have and getting what they need. Man, you can get three of those girls in this truck right now. If you if you offer three of them money, all three of them will jump in the truck with you together right now. You know, you'll be surprised. Sometime you come out here, you'll be surprised to see the girls that are out here. No, I'm not looking for no company. Why are you trying to hurt me showing all the goods like that? You've been away from your wife for two or three months on the road. You got to have some. We're here to provide whatever these truck drivers need. As long as we're protected and nobody's going to try to hurt us. And you know that, right? You know truck drivers <laughs> out here look out for y'all. You know some. That. Some of them, yeah. Some most of them. Most of them. Yeah, most of them. Some of them are, you know, bad. Some of them give y'all a hard time, but... Try to take our money, try to get free pussy. Well, you know that's good with the game. You got to try to get it free if you can. The same way you guys try to take all the money sometimes. If it's a good night, you guys are willing to deal. If it's a bad night, you guys try to squeeze. Isn't as that the way it goes? As long as you're giving me what I want, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Which is what, baby? 40, 60, 80. <laughs> She's referring to 40 for oral sex. 60 for penetration, and 80 for everything. This is a common mantra among lot lizards, though the numbers change from woman to woman and night to night. The lowest I'll go is like 40, 50, 60, which is 40 below 50 street, 60 for everything, or do 60, 80, and 100. You gotta feel the person out. The truck stop scene is a complicated dance with the victims on both sides, but without a doubt, the lizards get the worst of it. It can sometimes feel like a common law marketplace where mutual need assures a relatively even balance of power. And sometimes it is, until it isn't. The Lot Lizard documentary offers a sobering piece of road stop trivia. Female truck stop sex workers have a mortality rate more than 40 times the national average. In our ongoing journey dissecting real life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates, but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey. As someone who's delved deep into the game, playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. In June's Journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations. What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, the game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape, offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android, and join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. They don't always let them go. And when you think about it, the truck stop is a perfect scene for the perfect crime. There's no need to find a gateway car. 
and no need to clean up the crime scene. You just drive it away. You carry it with you. Even a primitive sleeper compartment has room for a few bodies. And the women you might put there already go missing for days at a time as a matter of routine. This was especially true in the days before cell phones. And of course, as a driver, you can disappear yourself. In fact, that's your job. Wherever you are, you're paid to be somewhere else the following afternoon. And that somewhere can be anywhere within a thousand mile radius. On a cool morning in Kentucky, April the 14th, 1985, a driver in a red flat-nosed truck trailer picked up a woman outside a Union 76 truck stop and he never let her go. A few years ago, while recording the first season of Foul Play, Shane spoke with the last person, apart from her murderer, to see her alive. Is it true that you're actually the man who says that you saw her before she was murdered? Yes, I was the one who saw her at the restaurant, here at the truck stop. Then I saw her getting into the cab of a truck in the parking lot. This is Bruce Jenkins. In April 1985, Bruce was working as a shift manager at King's Truck Stop in Kentucky. The redheaded woman we are discussing is known as the Knox County Jane Doe, and he was the last person who saw her alive. When you saw her, I know this was a long time ago, and I know that it's working on memory, but when you saw her, did you notice that maybe she was on drugs, or did she look scared? What were your impressions? To be honest, I was managing the truck stop at the time, and the waitress came over saying, we've got a lot lizard over here. So I asked, what is she wearing, and everything, and she told me. So I went outside, stood there, and looked through the window to watch. She was sitting at a table by herself. She was talking to other drivers. One guy got up, walked over, laid some money on the table, and then he left. Well, roughly about five minutes went by. She got up, grabbed the money, and headed toward the front. I thought, okay, she's fixing to make her move. So when I went around to the side door, waiting on her, but she went out the front, I noticed the back of a cab over truck sitting there facing the road. I don't remember the license plate because they always had the license plates on the front. It was maroonish looking. I couldn't tell you what make it was or anything, but she went over and had a small bag. I think she had some clothes in it. She opened the door, threw that in, climbed up in the truck, closed the door and left the lot, turning left, headed towards Barberville. That was the last time I seen her. The vehicle that you're describing, is that a truck? Yes. Back then they had what was called trailer-length clearance. You can only be so long out there on the road. That's why they had the cab overs. They had just come out with a 48-foot trailer, and to be under that limit lengthwise, they had the cab overs. So it was a couple of years later they finally done away with those and made those long nose trucks. Did you guys get any type of description from the man that was seen giving her the money? He was nondescript. The best I can remember, I think he had, like, black hair. He had on a denim jacket with blue jeans. I couldn't tell you if he had boots or anything. Someone wanted me to tell that it was boots. The shirt was kind of brownish in color. Part of what makes this hard for Bruce to remember was that it was such a common occurrence. If you work at a truck stop in certain regions of the country, navigating the world of roadside sex and solicitation is just part of what you do. How often do you guys come into contact with prostitutes at that place? About every night. It was a common occurrence? Yeah. They would come into the restaurant and the waitresses knew what they were. And I'd have to go over and tell them, hey, we don't care if you're sitting here eating. 
But don't be trying to hassle the drivers. Some of them just want to come in here, eat, and leave. Others I had to go out on the lot and get. If you have a 300-pound truck driver sitting there at 2 o'clock in the morning telling me to either get her or he's going to kill her, I got to get out there, find her, and get her, and take her across the road, sit her in a pile, and say, you can go wherever you want, just not over there, because you're aggravating the drivers. The nondescript man in a kind of brownish shirt and possibly blue jeans and cowboy boots that purchased the company of Jane Doe went and waited for her in his truck, at which point Bruce Jenkins expected to see her again in a couple of days. But the next time anyone saw her, apart from the nondescript man, was inside a refrigerator in a local ravine. It was an older model, one of those deep admiral fridges that has white, slightly rounded enamel exterior and a long chrome handle on the front. The men who found her were looking to salvage it for scrap metal. Inside the door, packed in the bedly of this outmodeled appliance, they found a naked woman wearing only two necklaces and a pair of white tube socks. She was in the fetal position, with her knees up against her chest and her hands folded up in between them. She had reddish, shoulder-length hair, hazel eyes and freckles. There was a small mole on the right side of her neck and a birthmark a little larger than a silver dollar on her calf, about three inches above her ankle. The coroner determined she'd been dead for less than seven hours and that she had not been struck in the head with bruising or gunshot wounds. She was five foot five inches tall and somewhere between 25 and 32 years old. How did you find out that she was in the fridge? And how did that whole thing come about? Well, when the state trooper approached me in the parking lot two nights later, he was dressed in plain clothes and he'd come walking up. He asked me, do you remember a redheaded girl that was here two nights ago? I said, yeah. And it was about the time that he pulled his badge out and identified himself as a state police officer. What his name was, I couldn't tell you, but he started pulling up pictures. He said, is this the girl? She was lying on the table, already dead. I said, yeah, that's her I seen getting into the truck. How shocked were you that it happened? Was it common for prostitutes to be hurt at the truck stop later on? Was that something that you heard about? No, I left like a year or so after that. I moved to Georgia to work down there. So if anything happened after I left, I couldn't answer that for you honestly. I know that during the time I was there, the only time prostitutes got hurt was whenever they would fight each other in the parking lot. For that interaction with the police officer, that was the only interaction you had, is that correct? Yes. How far away would you say Barberville is from that truck stop? Between 11 to 15 miles. Where she was found from the truck stop was like 8 miles. So it was pretty quick to get to? Yeah, you know, it was halfway between Portland and Barberville. It was where she was found. What it was, was a pull-off that the state makes off the roadways. Let's say they're going to do some work in that area. They got a place where they can pull their equipment off. They're not getting into the woods or anything. They're just pulling off a little bit. It's notorious around here. People take refrigerators and stuff and just find a place to dump them. You think that he just happened to find that fridge down there, or do you think he had it with him? No, from my understanding... It was apparently a large refrigerator, and I'd say that somebody had thrown it out. He just happened to find it. I think that I share that theory as well. If you would have cut her off in the beginning, I know that you thought that she was going to go out the side door and she ended up going out the front. What would be your normal reaction 
Would you tell them to leave or, or what? I would have talked to her. Hey, is this what you're doing? Yeah, I would have asked her several questions as to what she was doing there at the truck stop talking to drivers. There were comments by people there that she was hitchhiking. If I had stopped her, and that's what she was doing to try to find a ride out of there, I would have done nothing else. If she had told me she was working, I would have asked her if she cared to go across the street. So maybe that interaction could have saved her life if she went out the side door? Yes. But this interaction never happened. And it's possible that Jane Doe never exited that maroonish truck cab alive. It was only six hours from the time that Bruce saw her enter the truck, roughly 2 a.m., that her body was discovered in this local dumping ground just after 8. I spent weeks talking to people like Bruce and reviewing this specific case without noticing the most important thing. Below her freckles and hazel eyes and above the silver dollar on her calf, there were stretch marks on both sides of her belly. She was a mother. And this didn't occur to me through some bolt of insight or through the gift of my sometimes average reading comprehension. I got a message one morning, out of the blue, about another woman who was also a mother. She was proud to be a mom, but had been forced to figure out that part of her life on her own, because her own mother had left while she was still in diapers. She'd only ever seen her in family albums, until a few mornings earlier, while she was scrolling through Facebook. Her aunt sent her a link to a page of please sketches of Jane Doe's. When she opened it, she nearly dropped her cereal spoon. Her name is Elizabeth, and we'll be talking to her in the next episode and recovering the name of the Barberville Jane Doe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.